It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello and welcome to the Agenda Podcast, a podcast where you, the listeners, send in the questions and you, the listeners, set the agenda. I'm Ian Kroll and I'm joined by Connor O'Neill. Connor, how are you doing? Much better, I hope, after a, an Everton win against West Ham United. Absolutely, it was, uh, it's been a long, long time coming, hasn't it, where you've, you've had that spring in your step coming out of Goodison Park and being able to watch match today on a Saturday night and you know looking forward to reading the papers and, and what, what's been said, so... Yeah, if you can't be happy now, you're never going to be happy, are you? Absolutely. Um, so we've got a whole host of questions submitted by Everton fans via the Royal Blue Facebook group. Um, first one, Connor, I'm going to I'm going to go out on a limb. I'm going to put put this on you. Last week you said the best option was for Everton to sack Marco Silva. So the first question we've got down, submitted by Carl Oscar Lieberg, is it still Silva out? Well, <clears throat> obviously I was one of many who had to eat the words on a Saturday afternoon as we all left Goodison Park because you know, the performance that Marco Silva's side produced was, was simply superb from start to finish. It was one that I didn't really see coming, if I'm being honest. Um, I think I've, you know, I've been quick to criticise him and, you know, as I say, I did call for his, his head during the international break, but you've know, you got to give credit where credit's due. We, we, were, we were superb and the response he got from, from them lads was was first class and it was certainly something that I did, didn't didn't imagine that would that would come true and you know you, you've got to give Silver credit but for me ultimately although it's not Silver out as strongly as it was during the international break the next two games are still massive yeah. for Everton Football Club I mean you've 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 got to make that type of performance on Saturday the norm not the exception we can't just pull one out the bag because Silver was under pressure and people were questioning some of the players their attitude and the commitment we've got to make that type of performance the, the norm. Not, not the exception, as I say, and you know that starts on Saturday, Brighton, because you know we've we've ultimately got to stop and put something on the on the road. You know our away form is is nothing short of dreadful, so we've got to carry on now. Going into then the biggest game I think so far this season in the, in the Watford Carabao Cup Carabao Cup tie. I know people might think, oh well, that's a bit you know naive or you know a bit a bit sad that you're saying you know, something like that. So, so early on in the season, but the Carabao Cup is is a massive opportunity for everyone to, to collect some silverware. You know, you, you couldn't have wished for a better, a better draw really than Watford at home. Mm. You look at the the, the the draw, the way it's panned out in the other, the other games. You know, Liverpool playing Chelsea, sorry, Liverpool playing Arsenal, Chelsea playing Manchester United. There's just going to be some big teams. You know, Aston Villa play Wolves. There's some big teams going to yeah. get to the competition. It's a massive chance. So while it's still not silver out, it's completely not free of pressure in my opinion because the next two games are big. They are important. And he's got to build on what the foundations that he laid on Saturday. And he's probably bought himself some time, really, hasn't he? Yeah, he has. But like I say, you know, if we go to Brighton and we, and we get come, you know, we get come to beating our away day goals continue, then that pressure's just going to ramp back up to what it was during the international break because yeah. it'll be a thing of well, that performance was just an exception, really. Not, not we're going back to our normal ways. Okay. Um, I mean, we've got a whole host of questions from um, Everton fans who submitted via the group. Some 
some questions that are covering the same thing, but we will read them out because obviously you've taken time to, to submit them in. So you've got a question for me? Yeah, after Saturday's performance from the front four, especially the pace mobility, is Gilfin now better using impact substitutes? And that one's from? That one's from Matthew Barry. He's Matthew a regular. Barry. He is. He's from the College Street. Shout out to Matthew Barry. And regular listener. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's so ironic, isn't it, that Everton go and have the best performance of the season without Gilfie Sigurdsson. And then, you know, Marco Silva brings him on to, to shore up the game and he goes and scores a worldie like that. I, I don't think anyone's ever suggested that Gilfie Sigurdsson is not a good footballer. We, You know, we've said it time and again that he just, he slows the play down. He's a bit too static to, to, to be a number 10. In terms of where his long-term future lies, I think it, it probably is away from the club um, or certainly not in this team. In terms of his short-term future, I can definitely see him being an impact substitution, whether he's going to like that, obviously that that he's not going to like that. Obviously, he's obviously going to want to um, play football matches, and then he's going to have the argument where I can come on the football pitch and score goals like that. So it's it's a tough one, but I just think the evidence is there for all to see that the, the front four, especially, were just a lot more mobile. Um, the pace, the speed, f- the flexibility of them interchanging. It was it was such a joy to watch. And that was the most important thing for me coming out of that game because we could have beat West Ham on Saturday with a, a scrappy 1-0 win and may not have been deserved. And you're still, all right, you would have been happy with the win. But the most pleasing thing for me was the, was the performance. And we got both. And it's very rare that Everton get both. And Again, I go go back to ironic it was that we had our best performance of the season. Put Gilby Sigurdsson then goes and scores a worldie. I think the answer to that is short term. Sigurdsson will definitely continue to play in the team, but I think it's the evidence is there for for all to see who are you know best from four are. I think just on that though, as well, and no one's actually pointed this out, but something that certainly sprung to my mind on on, on Sunday when I was thinking about back in the game is with Charleston up top. Yeah, it is that. You know, in that front four of Charleston was the, the main man leading the line. Yeah, are we gonna? Do you think it's time we revisited that? Yeah, I think we, so. I think we had a bit of success last year. Um, and Marcus with him being up, up, top. up to, to play him as, as the, yeah. the lone the lone forward man. It then obviously all kind of went a bit sour, and he kind of lost that that bit of fizz he had yeah. when he was up front. But is that the way to go now? Is is, is Calvert Lewin and, and Moise Keane gonna play second and, and, and potentially third fiddle to? Richarlison. I think Richarlison, I remember a couple of months back on Sky Sports that Tim Cale described Richarlison as an out-and-out forward. Now, a lot of people suggest that he isn't that type of player. He obviously started his Everton career, you know, on the left. He's been, he's been, been moved up top. And I think Silver played him wide right one time, didn't he? And he played very well. Coleman and, and him formed a, a decent partnership and and it, it, it just it just seemed to, to run with that. But as time's gone on, you, you can you can tell that things don't go when things don't go his way, he, he sucks. But when, when he's up front, he, he he's always got the chance of scoring scoring a goal. And I think at this moment in time, again, you you gotta base it on the performance against Saturday, you know, it's early days, but Rich Allison is probably the the most effective person to play up front for Everton. If Silva wants to carry on playing that way, we know Dominic Carver-Lewin can score goals. We know Moise Keane's like full of potential and hopefully, you know, in the in the coming weeks he'll find his feet. But at the minute, I think Richarlison probably has to be, you know, the, the spearhead of that attack. Absolutely. Um, 
Okay, next question. I'll read it out for Connor and Connor can give it an answer. Michael Bleakley, when will we score from a corner? Can we get someone standing in front of the goal? It might help. We did score from a corner, but it was disallowed. It was, yeah. <laughs> which, which, which has never been disallowed. I don't think I know. I know Dermot Gallagher on Sky Sports' little ref watch segment was quick to point out. Did how, he say it wasn't? How good officiating it was. Because it, What was the reason? I can't Because think. Andre Gomes blocked yeah, the right. I knew that's what it was. But I think if you look back to the Burnley game, when we played Burnley away, Burnley set up to block our man at the back post and they scored yeah. off that. You know, Schneiderlin was, was blocked in by two Burnley players. Yeah. So for me, it's, you know, it's a much muchness and I thought we were very, very hard to, very hard on two on, on yeah. Saturday night. No, yeah, absolutely. I think, I think you know, just, just touched on that. The game sways on two decisions. What could have cost us that goal? And also the corner that West Ham were given, which was never a corner. And if anything, should have been a foul on Sadibe. And yet they nearly go and score. Yeah, score yeah. That, it was disgraceful, know. wasn't it? I know, I know we got over the line and we won 2-0 and, you know, everyone kind of forgets about that, but there could have been two major talking points there of, that, of the game. So I think in terms of when we were scoring from a corner, we did look like we'd improved on Saturday, like we say, we should have. And I think the second part of the question is is one for Marco Silva, not for me, because he's the man who sets the, the team up on set pieces and, you know, it's up to him what, what way is best to approach it. I mean, it's nice scoring goals like we did. On Saturday, you know, nice bit of team play with for the Bernard goal and a bit of skill. And obviously, again, we mentioned Sigerson's worldy, but I think obviously all the top teams in world football score a lot of goals from set pieces, don't they? And that's something that we do lack in. Well, I think that the, the big thing for me is, is that we've not utilised Jenny Mina's height and, and ability in the air. He's desperate to score, though, what, isn't what, he? What we, what we should have done, you know, I think you know most most teams who, who have a, a centre forward or a centre back or even a centre midfielder who who have the size of Yeni Mina, you know, utilising to to their own strengths, you yeah. know. And if anything, I, I think we've just neglected it. I think you know, mm. that's why I think it was so promising and, and pleasing to see on Saturday that we did put a corner in. It looked like we kind of had a routine set up for Mina to go and attack the ball, and hopefully, you know, it could be the start now of seeing a bit more progression from our, our set pieces. Okay, next question. You got one for me, Anthony Michael Knowles. Will Coleman come back in? Miss one out there. Miss one out. Amy Armstrong. Oh, sorry, yeah, Amy Armstrong. How do you think Everton can dominate games away from home? We played well against West Ham, but I've never seen us play anywhere near as offensively on the road. Who do you think? Who do you think is that we can do that? Um, okay, thanks for your question, Amy. I think obviously our away form is abysmal, isn't it? At the minute, it's it's you know it's not it's non-existent. So we've got to we've got to start putting that right first and foremost. We're Brighton on on the. Um, on Saturday, I've I've always said that I feel Everton's strengths with this current group of players and this current team lie with pace and, and counter attack on football. I don't think you're ever really going to dominate possession in a Premier League football game unless you've got you know Manchester City's players. It just it just doesn't happen. So I feel like Silva should form some sort of counter attacking display away from home we've got a solid setup in defense now you can you can clearly see obviously if if Mina's going to be fit that will have Mina Keane and Sadibi and, and Dean as, as as the back four I think that is definitely going to be a positive and we've got the foundations there for, for the midfield and then the front four keeping them fit will will speak for itself I think pace power getting the ball forward early not necessarily into feet but in, in behind, even over the top for, for the likes of Richarlison, Walcott, Bernard to run onto, and then you've got the likes of um, Alex Awobi uh, scooping up anything 
anything that is left over left over. I, th- I think that's that that's got to be the way forward, regardless of whether it's it's Brighton or, or Manchester City away. We're, we're never going to dominate possession. We haven't got the players to do that. We're, we're, they're not confident enough. To, I don't think they've got the, the quality to do it. But in spurts and, and moments in football games, you, you can kill um, opposition within a matter of what. 10 to 10 to 15 seconds and 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 score some really some really good goals that, that that's got to be the way forward for me I think obviously the, the away day troubles have stemmed for a long time absolutely I think, yeah I think as much as you know we talk about style of play and stuff like that I think psychologically we've got a big barrier to get over I think we, we need to kind of dog out a, 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 a one nil win away from home where you know we spend the last 20 minutes back against the wall and we've, we've dug deep and, and kind of gone on the other side because we just don't see enough. We haven't seen enough of that from the last, you know, probably five years on the road from Everton. Now yeah. to, to to really say this is a team that knows how to win away from home. This is a team who knows how to to win ugly almost. Yeah. But I think looking at the next question now, obviously Anthony Michael knows that will Coleman get back in after Gibral Bay's impressive first Premier League performance on Saturday? Your thoughts on that one, Coleman? I think he he still has a part to play in a, in Everton's season. How long that will last for, I don't know. I think we all love Seamus Coleman. We we've all, you know, called for him to be the captain in the past. I think it's quite clear that Sadibi on Saturday offered something a little bit different and possibly a little bit more quality, both in defence and attack. Not knocking Seamus Coleman one bit. I think he, he still has a part to play, like I've said, but I don't want to get ahead of ourselves with Sadibi. It's only his second game is it he played in the league cup third third is it that was the first time I've seen him properly and I was very very impressed and if he gets back if Coleman gets back in the team ahead of Sidibe on Saturday I'd be very disappointed in Marco Silva's decision making obviously you know anything could change Sidibe could pick up an injury or anything so that that could something could happen but for me moving forward Sidibe gets back in the team but that's what you want isn't it competition for places you know if Coleman thinks I've lost my place here, then surely he's gonna, you know, start performing a lot better, and it it only benefits the team. Again, it probably goes back to the Matthew Barry question: Would he be best used as a an impact substitute for a player who can make an impact? I think maybe the last 15, 20 minutes of a game in an attacking sense, I think he could definitely do that if we're struggling for um, you know, to break the deadlock in in, in some games. Definitely, without a doubt. I think for me, the, the big thing with, with Coleman on Saturday it was it was almost shades of the Luca Dean Leighton Baines mm. moment of, of last season, where you know I think Baines picked up an unfortunate knock and, and Luca Dean was you know almost handed his, his chance via default, yeah, and took it with both hands and, and that's what happens since. in football, though, doesn't and it? And I think you know on Saturday we kind of maybe seen that a little bit with Coleman in the sense that you know he was sent off against Burnley, so the base handed his chance almost via default, and then yeah he produces a performance that. You know, could potentially lead to to Seamus having a spell on the sidelines, and yeah, like I say that's just football, isn't it? I mean, you know, I, I think the the jury's been out on Coleman for a couple of years now. I like, I know what you say about we call for him to be captain and stuff like that, but I do think there has been a jury off the last couple of you know, say last eighteen months in terms yeah. of is he good enough to now you know play fullback for Everton? I don't think he's ever had really the competition. I know John Joe Kenny's doing really well in the Bundesliga right now with Schalke, but I don't think Schalke Kenny ever done enough in the Premier League games to. To one, whereas now Sadibe clearly has, mm. and I think it'll be really interesting on come two o'clock on Saturday to see which way Marco Marco Silva goes, whether he puts his captain back in, or whether he sticks with the same, you know, the same the same team that picked up three pressure points against West Ham. Yeah, absolutely. 
the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. The Royal Blue Podcast. Next question from Mart- Martin Jameson. This one's away from the football pitch. That's an interesting question. Any thoughts about whether Mr. Usmanov might team up with Mr. Mashiri to bring really big money into the club? Or has that idea gone cold? Will his involvement stop with the USM Finch Farm? What, what do you think on that? I don't think anyone knows. I think there's only too many who know the answers, Dean. That's mm. us, Mr. Usmanov, Mr. Mashiri. I don't think. I think there's so many. There's been so much tittle tattle and rumour and wild speculation that, you know. You can't believe anything that you potentially read on this issue now because, you know, the speculation is, is so far and probably so... So why is the mark in many senses? But, you know, it did one, at one point it did look promising when, you know, Mr. Usmanoff got involved with, you, you know, the sponsorship of Finch Farm mm. and stuff like that. It does appear to have gone, you know, cold and it, it almost... It was just a commercial deal. But I think, you know, in terms of... Michelle, you just might want to... Be by himself you anyway. Know, yeah, you know exactly. You, you don't know. You know these are the things we don't know, and I don't. It's not knock Martin's question. But I don't think honestly we can answer it because of the yeah, whole thing. No. We don't. We don't know what Mister Usmanov or Mister Mishery are thinking. Yeah. Do you know? It's no, exactly. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's, it's as I say, it's it's such a it's such a minefield in terms of the tittle tattle, and you know, I think we've seen over the over the last certainly two years, you know, people putting two and two together and coming up with five. In terms of those Manoff Majeri connection, etc., so I don't think we can really, really gauge anything to anything from it, can we? Except yeah. you know, yeah, he just wants to train the ground, but you know, I think that that's probably as much as it probably will be. Yeah, I mean, from my opinion, and to, to try and answer that, if if it's going to happen, if anything whatsoever, investments or a t- some sort of takeover, it's largely, I believe, going to be down to what happens with the stadium, mm. because you know, if if it's going to happen. Regardless of Usmanov coming in, Usmanov's probably not going to want to come in now and spend a lot of money on on a stadium when yeah. it can be already paid for. And then, from his point of view, he would then reap the the benefits of of a brand new state of the art um, stadium on, on uh, the water. I think just on that though, I think you know, I think you know, the the big money kind of aspect of it. You know, this is a football club that has spent big money. You know, it's not. You know, it's not a football club that is, is wasted a lot of it. Yeah, you know exactly. Yeah, you know, it's not, it's not hand to mouth existence like we've known before or yeah. we've seen before. You know, this is you know, I think it was a the the, the chef the scene of against Sheffield United cost over three hundred million pounds. Yeah. You now you look at the money we we spent on, you know, a, a lot of the plays who started you know the weekend. It's big money. You know, it's it's real big money. So we have invested money. There's been money spent. It's just not being spent in a, you know, as you say there, it's been wasted. It's not not mm. being spent in a sensible manner. And you know, I don't think it's a case of Mercedes not spent any money. He has spent money. We've just not, you know, we've got it ultimately a thirty-five million potentially centre forward on the bench. You can't get, you can't get it over mm. Charles, who's naturally a winger. So there has been money spent. It's just not being spent the right way, you know, and where it needs the most. Absolutely, couldn't agree more. Carl Bloxon, next question. is Carl, New Zealand Carl. It is, yeah. Yeah, no question about uh, Chris Wood this week. But go ahead, go for it. That is twice that we have had a large change in fo- performance after an international break. We are yet to see if we continue this season, but do you have any ideas what goes on behind the scenes for this to happen when most of the team is away on international duty? Um, the answer is no, I've got no idea what goes on behind the scenes, to be honest. Um, I think that there's, there's a lot being said, isn't there, about this international break and like what any changes that have been made. But if I remember rightly, um, a, a lot of people refer back to the, the break that we had for the Cardiff 
yeah. before Cardiff. That, that wasn't an international break, was it? That was that was enforced because, because we were so bad we were, at the time. We were crap, yeah. We were we weren't in any cup competition whatsoever. So I think if I remember rightly, it was like seventeen day break. So Silver at that time had a chance to almost do a, a mini pre-season and, and work with the players. You would have thought, I'm sure he gave them a couple of days off as well. But this time, it has actually been an international break. And I don't know what, if any time, he's had to to, to be play with the, um, the players because we have a lot of internationals and I, I don't know. But certainly can say that we've come back from an in, in, international break. The players, obviously, you know, a completely different team, whether that's attitude, I think it is, but obviously a lot of it's down to the personnel that was picked on Saturday, playing in the in the, in the right positions. You have to you only have to look at the the likes of some of the teams that were blowing other teams away. There were mentioned obviously Liverpool just winning every single game, and then they come up against the, a Man United team who was struggling beforehand, and then they had a good performance against Liverpool, whereas Liverpool didn't have a good performance. So, is the is the international break? It can work both ways, can't it? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? If you if you if you got momentum and suddenly you stop dead because your players go away. Then it obviously doesn't help, but yeah, sorry, Carl. I don't know what goes on behind the scenes, but I know that I'm. I was glad for this international break, and it certainly seemed to rejuvenate certainly the fans and the players, and hopefully that will will be able to continue some momentum on into the next couple of weeks. Michael Sullivan has said, Connor, who knew Theo Walcott had a twin twin brother? Why? When did we sign him? Is that harsh on Theo? Um, well, I know there's one man who, who, who oh, I've already spoke to Rob. Mr. Rob Astor, who probably <laughs> he said he's still crap. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he did nearly go score goal of the season on Saturday. If that would have went into Gaza Street, felt sorry for him. I think the it. place would have erupted because it was some strike. You know, it was yeah. it was incredible. Um, it looked like Phil Walcott had just benefited from a little bit, bit of time away and yeah, a bit yeah. of time to you know. Obviously, get, he wasn't with England, was he? Get so? himself together and you know almost probably give himself. I kick up the backside because, you know, we'd all spoken for long, long periods about getting them out the team and getting them out the, you know, the starting lineup and getting them, you know, away from the, you know, pretty much away from his position because he'd been so poor. Yeah. And yet, you know, we looked like he'd ripped the wards off that break and he'd come back, you know, afresh. Mm-hmm. Um, it was clear for me, though, that Marco Silva still thinks. There's something there with Theo Walcott when he starts against Manchester City. Well, that's the thing. That's what I was going to bring up. And I know obviously people look past that because he was taken off after, you know, 47 seconds, wasn't he? But I look him because that was a massive game for Silva, you know, the reign of Premier League champions coming to Goodison, etc. And we all know good City arcs. Well, he was unable to make an impact through no fault of his own, wasn't he? Exactly. But the fact that Silva put him in, clearly still sees something about him and he clearly still, you see, they're working hard and training, he's shown signs of training that. He has, does have top form, and you know I think Walker's off the base on the weekend is warrant of another startish weekend. Well, maybe that maybe the fact that he selected Walker for City obviously went off after a matter of minutes. As this maybe this performance has been weeks in the making anyway. Maybe Possibly, Silva's yeah. been seeing it on the training pitch, and we just we just haven't seen it on, on the fo- on the football pitch. Possibly, yeah. I mean, you know. You just don't know who you're in football. This, 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 this is the crazy thing about football. You know, like you lose it through there. You know, the expectation on, on Sunday was that Liverpool would rock up at Old Trafford and, and put convincingly, you know, five or six passionized and, and, and play walking pace. It was far from it. You know, mm. Everton probably didn't expect to that they would produce that type of performance. Certainly not from a field, field walk, I think, loser. So football's a funny game. And I think, you know, walk 
in my opinion, probably just benefits from a little time away, get back to basics, and you know if he continues to play in that manner like he did on Saturday, then the shirt will be his own for a long, long time. Okay, next question is from Ashley Stewart. Would you leave Richardson at number nine next week? Yeah, I mean, I think, actually, I've already answered that, haven't I? I think, absolutely, yeah. I don't think I would change any of that team as long as everyone's fit. Richardson, definitely number nine for the foreseeable future, definitely. I think that links in to the next question we've got then because Stephen Grady has asked first, captain, did Dean look like a skipper or is it near to continue to look at when we hopefully can continue to recruit in January? And the second part of the question, which is probably more relevant to this, does Tom Davis keep his place if, if Delft's you know, back fit this weekend? Again, the the the, the team is, is exactly the same as long as everyone's fit. In terms of Dean as captain, I think he's, from what I um, saw on Saturday, would be the type of captain to, to lead by example rather than be quite vocal. I don't know. That, I, might, I might be wrong. But it, we won the game, so certainly uh, he had some sort of impact. I know a lot of people have question Dean over his defensive ability over the past couple of weeks going forward. I think he's still been um, real quality, just probably hasn't been able to show that as much because we haven't been doing much attacking. He, he definitely could be a, a consistent Everton captain. I, I've got no doubts about that. I think captain-wise, though, you know, if, if Coleman's not going to be in the team as regularly as, as we might think now, other players who would probably look to who are going to be more consistently in the team would be like Andre Gomez. I think I think he just stands out above everyone else. Again, I don't know whether he'd be, be as vocal as other players we've had in the past, but I, I, I still think he could. still think he could. You know, he's very vocal on Twitter. You know, he's, he's always, he does the famous rallying cry, but I think it's quite clear the ratio of five games this season. We've won three, drawn one and only lost one. When he's in the team, Everton performed better. And... The West Ham game was the first time I felt he was actually 100% fit and the impact he had was was second to none. He certainly helped Davis because Tom Davis was a completely different player. The confidence in him when he had the ball, you know, it wasn't just panicking. It was a, it was really good. And So in terms of going back to the, the captain question, I think there's a lot of candidates for that. Silver's obviously picked Dean because he's probably one of the main... Um, vocal, vocal players in the, in, the, in the team now but obviously it's a, it's a tough one obviously Delph is very vocal we've seen him yeah. seen him in the past uh, past haven't we but you know I think every, it's all up for grabs everything is up for grabs at the minute because no one no one's taking it as much as Delph's been you know solid I don't think he's been fantastic he's, he's got injured he was unlucky and that gave the place to Tom, um, to Tom Davis but he could struggle to get back in the team um, against Brighton, but we've got games thick and fast coming up, cup games, so I wouldn't be surprised as long as you fit Silver, we'll chop and change and we'll see a selection of captains over the, the next couple of weeks. But I think if Dean plays every week now, then he should be the captain. That you know, Don't chop it and change it like he did in the first couple of weeks of his reign. I think then Callum Lapsley's question, which is next, I think we've answered pretty much in depth already. Playing a, playing a team as open as West Ham suits us all day long. Do we change formation or personnel against the team that may sit back like Brighton? Well, firstly, I don't think Brighton will sit back. Mm. I watched them against Spurs a couple of weeks ago when they comfortably beat Mauricio Pochettino side 3-0. Goal to winner. And they were, they were brilliant. They, they played on the front foot. They got falls as fast as they could. Mm-hmm. You know, had, from, what I, from what I read as well is that they've been pretty hard done to this season a couple of times. I think they, they've been unlucky not to get more points on the board than what what they have, their fans seem to be blown away by Graham Potter's yeah. approach. So I think for me, I think the team stays as it is as long as everyone's fit, the formation stays as it is because I think Brighton will come up and have a go. 
No, yeah, fair enough. That, like I said, that, I think I mentioned a couple of times, couldn't agree more. Ian Ferguson with the next question. Even with the best display of the season going into the game, still has the feeling, what happens if we don't score first? Because it's a good question, isn't it? What happens if we don't score well, yeah, first? I mean, I, I was talking to Paul Wheelock and, and yourself last week about this before before the game. And, you know, we both agreed the first 10, 15 minutes were, were crucial, really, because if we would have went behind and, you know, we weren't playing very well and the, the groans and the moments would have would have started and people would have began to get frustrated. I think the fact that they did start on the front foot and they you know they did kind of get get themselves ahead in the game was massive and I think, you know, ultimately we can't look at if we would have went behind can because we didn't. We won the game two 0 We were comfortable throughout. Yeah. I think it's easy in football isn't to look at cause of woulda shudders. I think if we're gonna do that you can look throughout the season and say, Oh, if only we would have done this if you know this, that, and you're there. Yeah. I think, you know, ultimately we didn't fall behind. We you know, we worked hard, we, we battled battled hard and we got our just reserves. Absolutely. Um Last question then, Steve Hill. I mean, we've covered a little bit of this, but we'll, we'll uh, read it out anyway. Steve Hill's asked, can we keep this up? Where does Del fit in? And what does the future hold for Siggy Sigurdsson? I think, can we keep this up? Only time will tell. Sati yeah. will indicate that. Um, we've been here before, haven't we? We've had false dawns. We've had one really good performance. And you think to yourself, you know, this is it now. We'll kick on. And then yeah, we've gone... Well, in three weeks, we've gone backwards to an alarming rate. Where does Delph fit in? Delph needs to get fit and stay fit first before we can even start contemplating where, yeah. where he fits in and where he comes in. I do like Delph. I, I have been impressed with Delph so far this season in the games he has played. I think he does show true leadership qualities. However, if you can't stay fit, then it's irrelevant, isn't it? Because you need to be on the pitch to be to have the biggest impact yeah. in terms of what's going on. What does the future hold for Sigurdsson? Well, I think he'd be on the bench, or he should be on the bench on Saturday, first and foremost, in the immediate. Despite the worldy? The, yeah, I think, you know, <laughs> I, won't, I don't think you can knock the front four, the foundations that he laid on, on on Saturday. Long term, I kind of do agree with you that maybe his long term future does lie away from the club. But I think at the minute, he'll be there for not the long, long term, but certainly... Just till the end of the season, at least. Yeah, maybe another season after that, I think. I think there won't be a, maybe a rush to get rid of him. And I also think they won't get anywhere near what they paid out for him no. to bring them in. So, but he's going to be on a decent wage. So there's not exactly, going to be many yeah. clubs who, I mean, certainly none of the top six will want to go for him. You would have thought. No. So there's not many clubs below Everton's stature who probably could afford his wage. Exactly, and I think you know ultimately, although I've always had one good game in the Tars, you know, he could. I hope he doesn't, but he could go out and have a stinker on Saturday. <laughs> People will be calling for Sigurdsson to get his place back in the team. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, like we've alluded to, football's a funny old game and strange things happen. So, you, we can't count our chickens too much just after, after one good one good win and one good performance. Absolutely. Okay, that is the end of the Agenda podcast. Thank you for listening. Thank you for submitting your questions. I've been Ian Crow and I've been joined by Conor O'Neill. Thanks very much, Conor. Thanks. We will be back next week at some point with the Agenda podcast. Thanks very much. You've been listening to the Royal Blue podcast from the Liverpool Echo.